Hi, I'm Dr. Avanti Kumar Singh. In over 20 years of practicing both Western medicine and Eastern healing traditions, the most important thing that I've learned is that healing is a journey we take together. So on this podcast, I'll be demystifying Ayurveda and other integrated medicine, showing how these simple ancient practices are the keys to unlocking a healthy modern life. We are all healing catalysts because healing starts within. It starts with you and it starts right now. This is a Soulfire production. Episode number 100. Well, hello, my beautiful friends. It's me, your friend, Avanti, and I am so happy to be back with you on the Healing Catalyst podcast, the hundredth episode of the Healing Catalyst podcast. And for all of my new friends here, welcome. I am so happy that you're here and so honored that you're spending part of your day with me. It feels so good to be back with you. I mean, I was here with you over all the episodes over the past seven months, but Today is different because all of you have been listening and waiting patiently for me, sending me so much love and so much support and healing energy. And before we get started with this episode, I just want to take a moment to say thank you to all of you. Your love, your support has filled me up. And so here we are, season six, episode 100, seven months of treatment for breast cancer done. And actually, I need to take a breath for a moment and take that in for myself to create a moment of awe for myself, which you'll hear more about on this podcast. I mean, have you ever been at the start of something and wondered how you'd ever get to the finish line? Maybe it was a race or a project or a trip or maybe the start of college or grad school or the start of a new job or the start of a family with the birth of a new child. And then you get to the finish line. You finish the race, you get a promotion, or you launch your child into the world, like I have, both my kids. And you look back and you think, how in the hell did I do this? Maybe you take the time to reflect and ask yourself, why did I do this? Or who helped me do this? Well, my friends, that's exactly where I am right now in that space as I'm talking into this microphone during the third week of September in my podcast studio at home, which is my office, kicking off season six of the Healing Catalyst podcast with episode number 100. And also having just finished the seven most difficult months of my life, because I just finished my last radiation treatment just three days ago. I'm in that space of having just crossed not just one, but three finish lines. And I'm wondering, seriously, how did I do this? And honestly, I should, you know, back up and correct myself here because they're not really finish lines because the journey is never over, but they're more like milestones, milestones along the way, mile markers. And I'm at mile marker number 52 because I've lived 52 years with 52 years of experience and knowledge. And I'd like to think 52 years of wisdom. And yet I know that I have learned more in the past seven months than I have in 51 years of life that I've lived before this. More than I've learned through hundreds of books that I've studied and almost 24 years of education. More than all of the challenges that life has shown me thus far. The past seven months have taught me so, so much about myself, about life, 
about illness, about health, about healing. And so today I want to share five lessons from one of the hardest years of my life in the hopes that maybe it'll help you in some small way. Okay, let's jump in. So number one, Ayurveda is protective. Now, this is probably the biggest realization that I had. It seems obvious, but there's a slight nuance here, right? I've always talked about Ayurveda being preventative, and it is, but it's also protective. Ayurveda is not just preventative, it's protective. I'm going to say that again. Ayurveda is protective. What do I mean by that? It protects you now so that when you're faced with an acute illness like cancer or even a chronic illness, you're more resilient. You're more able to handle what's coming because you've created a terrain, a terrain that's inside you and all around you that is more resilient, that can manage the symptoms and the side effects better, which leads to better outcomes, a better prognosis. It's just better all around. And it helps you not only with a longer health span, right, or to create longevity in the future, which is what I'm writing about in my next book, because it does. Ayurveda absolutely does that. It creates longevity. It creates a better, longer health span, which means that we have more years of vitality and optimal health and functionality and movement and flexibility. That's what that means when we say longevity or health span. Ayurveda absolutely does that. And I've always known that. I've seen that in my elders. But what it also does is to help you create more health right now, every day, every single day, today, tomorrow, the day after, in the near future, in the immediate future, right? So that you can deal with whatever diagnosis comes your way, whether it's cancer or another chronic illness, you've created this resiliency, this terrain that is stronger and healthier and more able to cope with whatever's coming. You know, I know for myself personally, my journey over the past seven months has been a lot smoother because of Ayurveda. You know, when I first got diagnosed, and, and many of you know this, you've been listening to this podcast for a while. You heard that episode back in March when I was pretty heartbroken, really, really pissed off, really angry, really upset, and asking myself, like, seriously, what the F? I've been doing this work for so many years, teaching other people, writing about it, doing this podcast about it, you know, practicing it myself. And here I am, my body receives a cancer diagnosis. I was just like, really? What the heck? And I didn't understand then what I understand now is that it wasn't all a lost cause. It wasn't for naught. It actually helped prepare me. It was protective. Everything I had been doing in Ayurveda, whether it was the routines I was doing in the morning, the yoga, the meditation, the breathing I was doing, the way that I was eating in an Ayurvedic way, according to the principles of Ayurveda, using spices as medicine, eating seasonally, all of those things, all the things I talk about on this podcast, all of those things, the principles and practices of Ayurveda were protecting me. They were protecting me so that I would be able to cope 
with a cancer diagnosis. Now, there's lots of spiritual things we can get into. I'm not going to get into that right now of, you know, why did it show up and all those kinds of things. I have my thoughts on that. And maybe I'll record another episode talking about that. But what I do know is that my journey over the last seven months has been smoother. It's been a little easier. Not that it's easy. You know, I've had every side effect. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, sugarcoat this and make it seem like Ayurveda prevented any of those side effects from happening. No, it protected me though. And let me explain what I mean by that. I had all the side effects, all the things you hear about, the mouth sores, the loss of taste, the neuropathies, the extreme fatigue, um, the nausea and vomiting. I lost a lot of volume. So I had to have blood transfusions. I mean, I could go on and on. I had all of the symptoms, all of the side effects of chemotherapy that you can think of. And even with my bilateral mastectomy and radiation after that, I had all the symptoms. I had all the side effects. But here's what happened. The side effects were easier to deal with. I bounced back from them quicker. I'd had them for a few days and then they would sort of ease off. It wasn't like I was throwing up for eight weeks at a time or you know, four months at a time or anything like that. I had a faster and smoother recovery from each phase of my treatment, whether my chemotherapy, my bilateral mastectomy, my radiation, which, you know, I'm still healing from, I'm still recovering from right now as I'm recording this podcast for you. My journey was just a little bit easier. That's all I can say. It was just a little easier. My body was more resilient. My mind was more resilient. Ayurveda is protective. And so how can I make this practical for all of you? Well, it's to say, keep doing it. Keep practicing it. Even if you're not sure that you feel the results or see the results, it's working. You know, I always have said this in my lectures and my talks and on this podcast, in my writing, you know, in consultations, is that Ayurveda has these routines and practices that are powerful, small steps. And you may not notice how much of an effect they're having on you until you stop doing them. And then you're like, oh, that was making me feel better. That was helping me sleep better. That was helping my digestion so that I don't have stomach aches, whatever it is, right? You would notice it. And so it sort of was the same thing for me. You know, I realized as I went along that Ayurveda was helping me respond to all the side effects and the symptoms and the chemotherapy and the treatments and everything just a little better. And so my advice to all of you is keep doing the practices, keep thinking about the principles, all the things we talk about on this podcast, keep doing it because Ayurveda is protective. And that's how you can put this into practice for yourself. Okay. All right. Let's move on to lesson number two. Connection is powerful medicine. Now I have talked about this a lot on this podcast. You know, that connection and community are the most profound and important medicine that there is. You know, even in the intro to this podcast that's, you know, pre-recorded, I say we heal together, that this journey is a healing journey together. 
But, you know, there's another layer of truth to this. It's not just as easy as connection and community are important, but it's the other side of the coin, which is separation causes all the problems. You know, one of my teachers once said to me, there's always a second layer or higher layer of truth in anything. It's just, when are you ready to hear it that way? And so I'm going to tell it to you in a different way, in a maybe a second layer, higher layer of truth for you, is that it's not just that connection is important, but that separation is the cause of all anxiety. Separation from others, separation from self, separation from the divine. You know, when we feel separate, when we feel alone, when we feel disconnected from others, when we feel disconnected from ourselves, when we don't see that the divine universal energy or whatever you want to call it is inside of each of us, not outside of us. When we are disconnected from the divine that's inside of us, we experience all the self-doubt, all the limiting beliefs, all the false beliefs. And then we create a chronic stress state in our body and mind which then over years will build and build and build and accumulate and eventually manifests as symptoms, illness, and disease. So, you know, from my own experience, I know that for me, and I shared this again, when my body was first diagnosed with breast cancer, the realization that connection would heal me was so, so powerful. It was so profound for me that I looked at connection as the most important medicine that I would need to take every single day of this journey. If I wanted to really, really heal, not just the cancer, but to heal the root cause of my cancer, I had to really, really understand and really tap into this idea that the separation that I felt, the loneliness, the aloneness that I would feel even a, in a big room of people. That was the cause of so many of the anxieties and worries and low confidence and perfectionism and all of those things. That was such a big cause of that because I was separate. I felt like I was separate from everybody in my world, you know, my family, from others, even though I know people love me, but I felt separate. And so it was this understanding, this tapping into this second layer or higher level of truth that when I realized that the separation was causing me anxiety and that once I started to feel that I wasn't separate, that I was one, that I was connected with the divine, with others, with myself, that's when I was able to start healing the root cause of the cancer that had shown up in my body. And so once again, you know, how can you put this into practice? Make it a goal to connect with someone or something or yourself or nature, the divine, once a day, just for a few seconds, a few minutes. And it could be anything from meditating to taking a walk outside to saying hello to someone that you don't know, to sending a text message to someone, get in the practice of connecting with others, of showing yourself 
that you are not separate, that you are not separate from other people, that you're not separate from the divine, from nature, that you're not separate from yourself. Okay. Whew. Let's keep going. Lesson number three. Welcome the friction. Whenever life is giving you friction, don't ignore it. Don't run away from it. Welcome it and say hello to it and say, come sit down with me. Ask life to sit down with you and tell you about the friction. Like what is showing up? Why is it showing up? Why, why is life showing you this friction? And what do I mean by friction? I mean, anything that shows up that doesn't feel good, that feels at odds, that has friction, that something's, you know, rubbing the wrong way. And you'll feel it in your body. And, and that's really what I mean by it. You know, invite life in and then say, what are you trying to show me? And don't try and then solve it in your mind. Feel it in your body because that is where you store the memories of friction. That's why you know it's friction because you've felt it before or you've experienced it before or it feels similar to something that you've gone through before. And remember that just because there's friction, it doesn't mean that it's bad. It can also be good. You know, friction is here to tell you to sit up and pay attention. Friction is here to help you get back into alignment with why you're here, with your dharma, with your purpose. That's the purpose of friction. So become aware of it. Welcome it in. Say hello to it. And then feel it in your body. Right? That's the most important thing. So let me give you an example of this from my own life, right? So I've had all these questions, you know, always throughout my life. Obviously, that happens every day to all of us throughout our lives. You know, which way should I go? This way or that way? This path or that path? You know, for me lately, it was, do I write the book or do I not write the book? Do I continue with the consultations or do I not con continue with the consultations? Do I continue with the podcast or do I not continue with the podcast? Or more specifically to my treatment, do I do the chemotherapy or do I not do the chemotherapy? Do I have a lumpectomy, a single mastectomy or a bilateral mastectomy or not? Right? Those are the kinds of questions that were coming up for me. For you, it might be, should I take the job or not? Should I go on the date or not? Should I go to that school or not? Should I go on that trip or not? Now, here's what you want to do is you want to feel it in your body. Ask yourself that question. Ask yourself the question and then feel it in your body. Try and feel it somewhere in your body. And then try and see, do you feel expansive? Or do you feel contracted? Right? Now, I can't take credit for this technique. This is something I've learned from my husband, Kanwar. But it's something that I've really, really leaned into over the past 10 years or so. And it has helped me so much. And so I want to share it with you. Is when you feel the friction, life presents the friction. Ask yourself the question, this way or that way? this path or that path, whatever it is specifically for you. 
And then close your eyes and tune into your body and feel it in your body. And then ask yourself, should I go this way? And feel it in your body. Does it feel expansive? Then it's a yes. Does it feel contractive? Then it's a no. Or should I go this way, right? The other way. Does that feel expansive? Then it's a yes. Does it feel contractive? Then it's a no. Your body knows. Your body stores this information. It stores the friction, the trauma from all of your life experiences so that it can help you later to help make decisions. Now, some of this, you know, you can go down a path of trauma, which is not what you're feeling now. I, I understand that. I get that. And you can also find a way to get the information that you need. So when you feel that in your body, and I think that this this idea of the expansiveness or the contractedness in your body will really help you. And so that you don't go down those old thoughts, right? Because you're in the here and now, you're staying present to what you're feeling in your body right now. So ask yourself, does it feel expansive or contracted in my body? Because here's the thing that we know, right? We know that our bodies affect our minds, right? That's the mind-body connection that I talk about on this podcast all the time, right? The joke that I make that like, you know, really have we forgotten that our head is attached to our body by our neck? They're not separate, they're connected, (laughs) right? So our body affects our mind. But here's what I've really come to understand is that your body actually regulates your mind. And if you regulate your body, you can regulate your mind. So if you go into your body and feel it in your body, you can actually stop that train of thought, stop those loops, those negative loops, that sort of, you know, winding path, that drain hole that you can go down really, really easily because you're focusing in on your body instead. And you're asking yourself, do I feel contracted or do I feel expansive? So that's lesson number three. Welcome the friction. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. You know, I've been in therapy on and off throughout my adulthood to help me with anxiety and postpartum depression and to help me through so many big hurdles in my life. Relationship issues, job stress, the stress of being a parent, the stress of caring for my aging parents, pretty much all of the stuff of life. And three years ago when my therapist moved, finding a new therapist felt like a hassle. And so I just put it off. But after a few months of cancer treatment this past year, it was very clear to me that I really needed to talk to someone to help me process everything that I was going through. You know, it's so incredibly healing to be able to talk through your worries, your fears, and even your joys with someone who is there to listen to you and dedicated to your well-being. That's why I'm so glad that BetterHelp, an online therapy platform, exists. With over 30,000 licensed, accredited, and board-certified therapists, BetterHelp makes it easier to find a therapist who meets your unique needs, whether you're becoming an empty nester, experiencing grief, or navigating a difficult diagnosis. When you sign up, BetterHelp matches you with a therapist within days. It's quick, affordable, 
and you can change your therapist to better meet your needs at any time. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Avanti today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Avanti. Okay, lesson number four, dump the excuses. Now here's the thing about excuses. They're complete and utter bullshit. They keep you from doing the things that you really want to do. They keep you from showing up for your life. They keep you from being who you truly are. But what if I look stupid in this dress that I love? Or what if my podcast fails and no one listens to it? What if no one reads my book? What if he or she says no to having coffee with me? Or this is one that I hear all the time. What if changing my diet doesn't help me lose the weight? What if it doesn't help me lower my inflammation or lower my pain? Or what if I can't meditate for 15 minutes, which is complete nonsense? right? These are the kinds of questions we ask ourselves because we're trying to make excuses. We're making the excuses of what if, what if, what if, the negative that then keeps us from doing the things we want to do, from doing the things that are on our heart, that are part of our dharma, our purpose. You know, when I received that diagnosis, when my body got that cancer diagnosis seven months ago, I didn't hold on to those excuses. You know, do you think I held on to them? Of course not. I didn't hold on to them. I considered them. I spent, you know, a few weeks in them of the pity party, the excuses of, oh, well, now you can't write your second book. Oh, no, you know, you can't continue with the podcast. Oh, you know, you can't travel. And on and on and on and spinning and spinning and spinning I went, right? But then something happened. It shifted. You know, a few weeks in of of being in that place, I said, hell no, I'm going to dump these excuses. Forget it because I don't have any more time. And I think that was really the big thing for me is sort of feeling the scarcity of time of years because I was dealing with the cancer diagnosis and oh my gosh, what's going to happen? But it was probably the best thing that could have happened. I kind of scared myself into dumping the effing excuses once and for all. Like I just dumped them. And I said, I don't care anymore. I don't care. I said to myself, no more excuses for all the things that you think you can't do or you can't be or you can't say or how you can show up. No effing way. I was thinking about all those things that I had been making excuses about. And right there, right then, I decided I would never make excuses again. I literally dumped every excuse of why I couldn't travel, of why I couldn't write a best-selling book, of why I couldn't get up every morning and go for a walk, or if I was more fatigued from my treatment, of why I couldn't at least dance for a few minutes to get some movement. I dumped all the excuses. So dump your excuses because your excuses are bullshit and they're keeping you from you. And so you're probably saying, well, okay, great, Avanti. You had this big reason to dump the excuses. What do I do? It's really that simple. You dump them. Because here's the thing that I know, that we all know. We are all going to die. That is a fact of life. So none of us has infinite time. None of us has infinite years. And yes, as much as I am going to be talking about longevity, and I do talk about longevity, and that you know, I'm writing a book about longevity. That's about 
health span, not about lifespan. Lifespan is this idea that you're going to just keep living for years and years and years and years. And that's not the point. It's health span that we want. We want to live more years with better health, with optimal health, right? And so if all of us are in this place where time is scarce, and again, this is not to put you into a scarcity mindset or anything, but the years go by. I mean, look at me, seven months has already gone by. I'm done with my treatment. You know, I started this podcast episode by saying, you know, have you ever looked back and said, how the hell did I get here? How did I do this? That's how I feel. Seven months has flown by. We're in October. We have three more months and this year is done. So another year has gone by. So dump the excuses, just make the decision and dump them. Okay. Lesson number five, look for moments of awe. Now, this is one that really clicked for me, that I really clicked into when I was in Hawaii in July. You know, I had a month off between ending chemotherapy um, at the end of June, on June 28th, I remember the dates, and July 25th, which was the day of my bilateral mastectomy, my surgery. And so I went to Hawaii with my family to rest and recuperate. Now, I didn't get to do much. I was, you know, lying in bed most of the time and just kind of hanging out and really just wanted to be in nature, in the sun. And it really was very healing for me. But these moments of awe, they started in Hawaii for me. I mean, I've had moments of awe, but my real understanding and sort of really, really tapping into this idea came when I was in Hawaii. So it was the second day we had gotten to Honolulu. We had flown there direct from Chicago. So I could, you know, withstand that nine hour trip. So I could sleep the whole way because I was pretty weak. But it was the second day of us being there in Honolulu and it had just rained a little bit and we were staying in a condo that was probably like 30 stories up. So we had this beautiful view of the ocean and the beach and the city. And all of a sudden we're looking out the window and my son Zane starts to point and he's like, Oh my God, mom, there is a double rainbow, a double rainbow. And all of us started jumping up and down and we opened, you know, the sliding door and went out onto the balcony and we were like, oh my God, a double rainbow. I have pictures. I'll have to post them somewhere on Instagram or something for you guys. But we saw this double rainbow. And I just remember in that moment being awestruck, awestruck by the beauty of nature, by the beauty of what I was seeing about being awestruck by having this experience that I was sharing with my family, with the people I love the most. And in that moment, I just realized these are those moments of awe that you hear about when you're, you know, doing spiritual study. I had read about them, but then I had never really clicked into it in this way. And so that double rainbow was that moment of awe. Now, if you look this up on the internet, which of course I did, it's also something called a peak experience and this idea of creating peak experiences, moments of awe. 
And peak experiences are spontaneous moments of awareness and connectivity to others, to nature, to divine. And that was exactly what I was experiencing. It was this peak experience that I was having with my family in which I felt so connected to each of them, felt so connected to nature, seeing this beautiful display of a double rainbow, the beautiful colors, the prisms of light, right? All of those things. And then somewhere feeling this deep connection to the divine. And it was so interesting because I started to have a beginner's mind again on that trip. And it could have been because I was coming out of this, you know, extreme state of fatigue. And so everything felt new, you know, taking a walk, that was a new experience because I hadn't really been able to do that for four months. Eating things and tasting things, that was a new experience because I couldn't taste anything for four months. And so suddenly, slowly over the course of being in Hawaii, I started to taste things again the flavors exploded. It was really like I was experiencing these things for the first time. And so I had this beginner's mind about it. And so if you can do that, if you can have a beginner's mind, suddenly you'll be awestruck. You'll be awestruck in the way that I was when I saw that double rainbow in Honolulu. And the way that I felt when I tasted mangoes, because I had lost all the taste before. And When I went on a walk and didn't feel completely out of breath, it was all new experiences. This is that creation of peak experiences, of moments of awe, a spontaneous moment of connectedness with my family as we looked at that double rainbow together out on our balcony. And, you know, I saw rainbows every day probably on that trip. And I had a beginner's mind every time because I was looking for moments of awe with that beginner's mind. And so every time I saw a rainbow, it was a peak experience for me in which I felt connected to my family and I felt connected to nature and I felt connected to the divine. So how can you do this? Stay present, stay present to the moment and you'll notice what's around you. You'll notice the signs and the synchronicities. And when I really clicked into this, I saw the signs everywhere. I noticed the divine synchronicities all the time. I saw how I was connected to everything. And it filled me with awe and wonder and gratitude for this beautiful life that I'd been given. And suddenly, the seven most challenging months of my life, the hardest year of my life, became the greatest gift of my life, the greatest gift I've ever been given because it showed me that life is always teaching us if we're willing to listen. And that connection to others and to the world and to ourselves and the divine is powerful medicine. And that Ayurveda, what I have been writing about in my books and talking about on this podcast, and teaching in classes and workshops and lectures, the work that I know is my dharma, my purpose. Ayurveda is the greatest healing catalyst there is. That's what I was shown. And so I hope 
that the five lessons that I've shared with you on this episode, I hope that they inspire some thought, some consideration, some reflection. And I hope that you'll try applying these lessons to yourself, to your life. Because this life is what we have. Thank you to all of you for your love, for your support, for your kindness. You all are the reason that I do what I do. I love you. Remember, healing starts with you. And I'll be back with you again next week. Until then, be well. Thanks again for listening to The Healing Catalyst. If you love what you heard, please hit follow and pass it along to a friend. And if you're feeling really inspired, please rate and review so that others can find this podcast more easily. To learn more, head to avantikumarsingh.com. And to connect with me directly, find me on Instagram at avantikumarsingh. I'll be back next week and hope that you will be too. Until then, remember, with the right catalyst, you have the power to activate your own healing because healing starts within.